After lunch, schoolgirl Satomi returned to her room because she had to work part-time. The 72-year-old grandmother named Michiyo and her younger sister, who are in elementary school, are still watching TV in the living room. After hearing Satomi's screams, she and her sister rushed to see Satomi dead on the stairs with many injuries. An unknown man with a knife stood next to her and immediately stabbed Michiyo. Satomi's sister panicked and rushed out of the house, running to a nearby bonsai shop to ask for help. To scare, she could only repeat the phrase I've been stabbed to the first person she met. Welcome back to our channel. Today we will turn over the tragic and mysterious case in a small Japanese village. Schoolgirl Satomi Kitagichi, 17 years old, was brutally murdered by an unknown man. The details and evidence at the scene were not enough for the police to investigate the killer. It was not until 14 years later that justice was served because of a very fortuitous sign. Take a deep breath and join us through the door of darkness to solve the mysterious and tragic case of Satomi Kitagichi. Satomi Kitaguchi is the one who has been hurt as a result of this incident. Her birth year was 1987 and she was born in the Hiroshima Prefecture of Japan. It may be found in the southwestern section of Honshu Island, which is in Japan, and it is adjacent to the Seto Inland Sea. The natural resources of the Hiroshima Prefecture are extensive, including mountains and sea, and the region is well known for its agricultural and fishing industries. There is a little city in the southwestern corner of the Hiroshima Prefecture that goes by the name of Hatsukurichi City. This city is known across Japan for being an important lumber port. Satomi's home and that of her family can be found in the Kamahira neighborhood in Hatsukurichi City. Their home is located in a standalone structure all by itself. The main building is located on the left side, on the first floor. The vice building may be found on the right side, on the second story, which are related to one another internally. The family of Satomi comprises of five people in total. There is Satomi, her sister, her father, and her mother, as well as her grandmother. There is a happy life being led here. Nonetheless, a terrible event befalls them to deal with. So, what exactly had taken place on that day? And what unfortunate event had transpired in Satomi's life? In 2004, Satomi had just turned 17 years old. In the city of Hatsukaichini, she is currently attending senior high school and is in the second grade. Tuesday was the day of the week on the 5th of October in 2004. Satomi continued her routine of pedaling her bicycle the short distance from her house to her classroom first thing this morning. This day had its own unique qualities. Because it was the day of the exam, he did not have to remain at school for the entirety of the day. The only time Satomi had to take her tests was in the morning. Afternoons were free for students to do whatever they pleased. Satomi's work at school was done, and she was all set to leave after the examinations were over. On this particular day, 
students were allowed to leave school three hours earlier than usual. Due to the fact that it was during the week, she only encountered a small handful of pedestrians on his trip home. Satomi Hari got back to her house around one in the afternoon. At this point in the day, both of his parents were out of the house working. The only other people in the house were his grandma and his sister. They were located on the first level of the house and watching television in the living room. Satomi entered the home, greeted everyone inside, and then went to sit down by himself to eat his lunch. Following her lunch, she experienced some feelings of lethargy and sleepiness. After that, she returned to her room. Her bedroom was not located on the ground level of the living room but rather on the second floor of the vice building that was adjacent to the living room. Despite the fact that the main building and the vice building were linked together on the interior. On the other hand, there was still some space separating the living room and Satomi's bedroom. Satomi would have to leave her house for her part-time employment in a few hours, specifically by 5 o'clock in the evening. As a result, as soon as she got back to her room, she laid down on the bed and put on some music to help her relax. After an hour had passed, at three o'clock in the afternoon, his grandmother and sister were still in the living room on the first floor, watching TV with a great deal of enthusiasm. They were startled when they heard a horrible scream coming from the next room upstairs. It was unmistakably Satomi's voice that I heard. They got up and headed up to the second story as soon as they heard the scream so that they could investigate what was going on there. They climbed the stairs from the first floor to the second story, where they continued their journey until they reached Satomi's door. The door was hollow and could be opened with ease. They first opened the door, and when they looked inside, they couldn't believe what they saw. They discovered Satomi covered in blood and lying motionless on the floor next to the bed in the bedroom. What made the situation even more unsettling was the fact that there was a mysterious man standing next to Satomi. The age of the man was approximately 20 years old. He had a knife in his hand and his hair was cut short. The elderly woman and her sister were both shaken to their core after witnessing such a disturbing incident. Because she was so terrified, Satomi's sister hurriedly made her way downstairs and then out of the house. She hid at a garden supply store that was located 50 meters distant from the main house. She repeated this to the proprietor of the garden shop as she was crying. My sister had been stabbed. My sister had been stabbed. My sister had been stabbed. After the sister had fled the house, the grandma began to shake in dread as well. She quickly turned around and made an attempt to flee the scene. The man with the shirt hair was initially taken aback when he noticed that someone had abruptly opened the door. After a few seconds of being dazed, he then kept the knife in his hand and stabbed the grandma in the back a total of four times. Satomi's grandmother was knocked to the floor as she fell. The man with the short hair then dashed out of the building. He quickly got dressed and left the house. Even though the grandmother had been stabbed multiple times, the wounds did not affect any of the organs or systems that are essential to her body. 
she exerted every effort possible to rescue his granddaughter, who was laying next to him in the hospital bed. However, this was a waste of time. And at that moment, she recalled having yet another young granddaughter. She was concerned that the man with the shirt hair may try to hurt her. Therefore, the grandma bandaged her injuries and limped down the stairs to the living room on the first floor. She contacted the authorities. After that, she passed out. After receiving the call, the authorities were promptly sent to the location to investigate the situation. Almost immediately, police cars and ambulances came to the location of the accident. When they entered the house, the first thing they did was locate the grandma on the first floor next to the phone. They then brought the grandmother to the hospital. Satomi was located in the bedroom on the second floor, lying in a pool of blood with no visible signs of life. The forensic examination revealed tense ab wounds on her body, which led to the conclusion that she had been attacked with a knife. A stab wound to the chest, not far from the victim's heart, was the fatal injury. The body had no wrappings on it. The area close to Satomi's residence was afterwards examined by the police. When the killer ran away after the crime, he had two options. Either he could have entered other neighboring houses or he could have escaped through the river if he had gone out to the left. If he had left the house and turned right, there was a major road directly next to the house, and he might have gone in a different direction had he taken that route. It would be extremely useful if someone could see the suspect leave the residence and head in the direction they observed him go. It is possible that this will reveal that Satomi Anna was acquainted with the perpetrator of the crime. After that, the police began their search for the witness. They went throughout the neighborhood, questioning residents in a door-to-door -door fashion. Sadly, it was already three in the afternoon. During the commission of the offense, on the road, there were only a few pedestrians here and there. Nobody saw anyone leave Satomi's residence in a hurry, thus no one saw them go. As a direct consequence of this, the authorities were unable to ascertain in which direction the suspect had fled. Because of this, the investigation into the crime was made more difficult. The intensive care unit of the local hospital was where Satomi's grandma was taken after she was brought there. A miracle occurred when the grandma was revived at the appropriate time and was able to survive. At the same time, the investigators have also begun their work at the crime scene to gather forensic evidence. The authorities were able to obtain a fingerprint from an unidentified person at the scene. Nobody in the family has fingerprints that match those on the object. It is highly possible that the culprit left his or her fingerprints behind. In addition, there were multiple shoe prints on the floor of Satomi's bedroom, and all of them were the same size. The police have a theory that the suspect abandoned this after fleeing the scene and not having enough time to get rid of his belongings. The brand and model of the shoes were identified thanks to the pattern of the prints found on them. The shoe size ranged between 26 and 27 millimeters in length. It was discovered that Satomi had some dander under her fingernails.
The Dan Ruff was used to extract the DNA of a male organism. It is reasonable to conclude that the person whose DNA was found to be responsible for the murder. Even though the police were able to locate these essential pieces of evidence, it was extremely challenging for them to solve the case with only these pieces of evidence. The good news is, however, that Satomi's sister and grandmother have both seen the face of the person who murdered Satomi. Following interrogation, they stated that they remembered the assailant's appearance in great detail. The police were able to create a likeness of the man by basing it on the descriptions given by his sister and his grandma. The individual was said to have short hair, thin eyes, and obvious acne on his face, according to the description. The body is robust and stands at roughly 165 centimeters in height. The age ranged from approximately 10 to 20 years old. Following the creation of the portrait, the Hiroshima Prefectural Police are now confident in their ability to make an arrest. They felt that if they could determine who was depicted in the painting, together with the shoe prints, fingerprints, DNA, and other indisputable evidence that was found at the site, they would be able to convict the offenders. Additionally, they believed that they would be able to do so successfully. Therefore, the police presented Satomi's family, neighbors, classmates, and random bystanders with the opportunity to view the portrait. The authorities were looking for anyone who could have recognized him. Unfortunately, no one was able to identify the man depicted in the portrait. Because of that, we are left with a mystery that cannot be solved. Satomi was taken from our world at such a tender age. This resulted in a great lot of suffering for her family. The fact that no suspect was ever located added even more suffering to the situation. Nobody had ever reported seeing him before. He vanished without a trace after running away. It was exactly as if he had disappeared off the face of the world. Satomi's parents had set aside 3 million yen for him to use in the event that he chose to continue his education beyond high school. On the other hand, nobody could have anticipated that such a terrible thing would take place. The situation caused the father a great deal of distress, as well as anger. He swore to himself that he would never forgive the person who had killed his son. He was willing to pay a prize of 3 million yen to anyone who could provide information on who was responsible for the murder. Posters advertising the reward were disseminated across the neighborhoods. They were posted at conspicuous location throughout the city. They were displayed prominently at police stations as well as in other locations across the nation. The murder investigation of the high school student in the Hiroshima prefecture gained the attention of an increasing number of individuals. The police department of the Hiroshima prefecture did not give up. Over the course of the next 10 years, they looked at more than 40,000 different persons. The passage of time did not result in the identification of the murderer. Additionally, the father launched his very own webpage on the internet. Nearly every day, he would add new content. He continued to write for more than a decade. 
he would write about his sentiments while also disclosing the most recent developments in the case. He would write about it. Over a span of 10 years, he wrote more than 4,000 journals in total for his collection. Every day, he reflected on the loss of his daughter and held on to the hope that he would one day identify her murderer and bring her killer to justice. Reinvestigation 11 years after the initial investigation into the murder case, the police in the Hiroshima prefecture brought in specialists from various fields and a panel of specialists from the United States to reinvestigate the case. The name of the knowledgeable group is BAU, which stands for Behavior Analysis Unit. This is the Behavioral Analysis Unit of the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States. In order to further help with criminal investigations, the department has begun utilizing behavioral science analysis. The team has contributed to the resolution of a significant number of mysteries. The team that was investigating the crime went back to the location where it had taken place. A number of the neighbors in the area are re-interviewed. They conducted an exhaustive investigation through the lens of criminal psychology. It was possible to draw a conclusion. When the act was committed, the perpetrator had no intention of taking Satomi's life. Instead, it was something else that had occurred before to the crime that drove the offender to commit it. Eleven years after the crime, Investigators were able to rebuild the face of the culprit using information from the police photographs as well as modern technologies. The suspect is more accurately portrayed in the computer-generated portraits than in the portraits from that year. Some people believe that it becomes increasingly difficult to alter the appearance of a person's eyes as they get older. However, despite the assistance of experts from the BAU, there has been no advancement in the case. One day in April of 2018, something unexpected took place just when everyone believed that the case would never be solved. An anticipated incident on that day, a 911 call was placed to the Yamaguchi Police Department in Japan. The person who answered the phone introduced himself as an employee of a construction company located in Yubi, in the prefecture of Yamaguchi. Because he lost his anger, his supervisor gave him a sound kick in the butt. He received a kick and thought that the cops would take care of it. Therefore, the law enforcement officials went to the building company. Kashima is the name of the person in charge here. He will be 35 years old this year. He has been working for the construction company for the past 10 years, making him an experienced employee there. As a result of a disagreement at work, he lost his cool and kicked one of his employees. His employee was angered by the kick that he gave her. Therefore, he contacted the authorities. The two men's rage nearly completely dissipated as the police from the Yamaguchi prefecture arrived at their place of business. However, because the police were called to the scene, they were required to make a record in accordance with standard operating practice. Particularly to Kashima, who was responsible for the employee getting kicked. When the police are getting ready to take Kashima's fingerprints, 
He exhibits unmistakable signals of anxiety and tension which the officers have picked up on. Nevertheless, the only person with whom he had a disagreement was an employee, and the situation did not develop into something more serious. The mishap only resulted in a few minor injuries. Kashima, who had recorded this encounter, was given permission to depart after apologizing to his employee for what had happened. During the process of recording this case, one of the police officers saw Kashima to be uncomfortable. He was perceiving an odd sensation. He then delivered Kashima's fingerprints to the headquarters of the Yamaguchi Prefectural Police. After a few days have passed, the Yamaguchi Prefectural Police Headquarters looked for the suspect's fingerprint in the database of criminal fingerprints. Unpredictably, the computer system sounded a piercing alert. The fingerprint was a perfect match to the one that had been left at the scene of the murder of the high school girl in the murder case that took place in Hiroshima Prefecture in 2004. Kashima makes his home at UBE, which is located in the Yamaguchi Prefecture. The border between Yamaguchi Prefecture and Hiroshima Prefecture is extremely close. The two prefectures share an immediate border with one another. Approximately 100 kilometers separate the cities of UBE and Hatsukurichi from one another. It is not impossible at all that he was responsible for the crime. Kashima is 35 years old at this point in time. In 2004, he has just turned 21. This is consistent with the age that Satomi's sister and grandmother gave for the person they suspected of the crime. The police in Yamaguchi Prefecture believed there was a good chance that the crime was committed by Kashima. They placed him under arrest and turned him over to the police of the Hiroshima Prefectural Government. When he received the news, the proprietor of the construction company where Kashima works had a horrified expression on his face. This is what he had to say about Kashima, according to him. He never missed work and had a good work ethic. Kashima's boss is a killer, which comes as a complete and total surprise to his staff, many of whom have worked for him for 10 years. Court hearing the case was finally tried in court in March of 2020. When Kashima was initially taken into custody by the police, he refused to confess to any wrongdoing. But when he was confronted in court by those incontrovertible pieces of evidence, Kashima ultimately admitted guilt for the horrible crime he had done. Kashima claimed that he and Satomi Kitaguchi were not familiar with one another in his statement. After leaving UBE City, he rode a motorcycle all the way to Hatsukurichi City. Because of his job, he was experiencing feelings of depression. On that particular day, there were hardly any other drivers on the road. So he tracked Satomi Kitaguchi down as she rode her bicycle back to her house around midday. He went to Satomi's residence with her at his side. After standing outside the door for some time, he made the decision to force his way inside the room and sexually assault her. Kashima became enraged as a result of her resistance, and he pulled a folding knife from his pocket to use on her. Then, 
Unfortunately, he took her life by accident. Judgments handed down by the courts on March 18, 2020. The Hiroshima Prefectural District Court announced its decision about the matter it had been hearing. According to the statement made by Judge Masanori Yamamoto, it took Kashima more than 10 years to surrender to the court. It has brought unimaginable suffering to this victim's family. The defendant, Kashima, was found guilty of the charge of murder by the judge, and the verdict was rendered. He received the maximum penalty, which was life in prison. This long-running murder mystery was eventually solved. A glimmer of hope appeared in the distance for Satomi's family, who had been enduring hardship for a considerable amount of time. Following the conclusion of the case, Satomi's father posted the following to his weblog. I am sorry that I was unable to protect you. The tale is very close to being over. This time, justice was running beyond schedule, but she was not absent. Even now, Satomi's father continues to post new entries to his blog on a regular basis. He is still plagued by feelings of guilt regarding his daughter and has high aspirations of one day being able to put those feelings behind him and go on with his life. I have no doubt that Satomi would want to see it take place as well. Thank you for taking the time to follow this case. It's great that justice has been served. Little Satomi, as well as her family, must have felt more relieved that the murder had been paid for. Remember to like and subscribe to our channel to be updated with the most exciting and thrilling cases. Thanks again and see you soon.